I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 195. We just got back from Atlanta. Well, not really because this comes out like, you know, later. But, <laughs> you know, we just got back from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun. We got to meet some of y'all. And that was the fucking highlight of the trip. It really was. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how many people came. I know. And some people were shorter than me. You're so weird. Oh, whatever. <laughs> there was a moment, I'm looking at you, Cresta and Donna, <laughs> where I have never felt taller in my life. I was like, I am the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> like, ho, ho, ho. Isn't that what he does? I don't know. I think about so. That. The Green Giant. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. No, not the. Okay, not sponsored. <laughs> Didn't know he had a little catchphrase there, but okay. While we were there, we also got to see one of our favorite podcasts, Obsessed with Disappear, do their live show, and that was super fun. We went to a place called Terminal West, which was like the venue that was hosted at, and it was such a cute place. I know. It's like, oh my God, one day we might can do a live show here. I got to learn how to rain down it in a little bit, but yeah. Did you see them? There was no raining of anything in. I really don't know what there is left for you to spill of my tea. (laughs) So, you know, it might not be so bad. I mean, true. Also, shout out to the Hyatt downtown because they had the best customer service. Oh my God. The literally the best customer service at a hotel I've ever had. And I mean, everyone went above and beyond, but Brandon Jones... If y'all know him in Atlanta, he is the fucking bee's knees. Until he dissed my pizza toppings, but it's cool, man. <laughs> and he did like three musketeers. And so then he won me back over. Yeah. Ugh. But you know who wins my heart every time? Oh, I know. Patreoners! <laughs> Gedgy L. from California. Taylor L. from Minnesota. Lily B. from New York. Carrie Z. from Indiana. Melissa L. from Ohio. Sarah F. from New York. Ashton L. from Georgia. We met her. <laughs> no, why are you trying to sell with her? I knew it. Eat. It's only because she made the list this time. <laughs> Bailey H. from Kansas. Catherine D. from Colorado. And Kathy and Milani A. from Kentucky. Thank y'all so freaking much for joining Patreon. Look, it's coming Christmas time. And, you know, that sounds like a pretty good gift to give somebody. <laughs> Wow. And who's the Leo here? (laughs) (laughs) My son's in Leo. I don't know if it is. I was like, what? But son, like in the sky. I ain't got no kids. That's, well, you have a dog. So I was just like. I would never call him my son. Well, I mean, it's fine if you do, but that's not my son. You baffled me. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, it might be a gift you want. They could get a shout out. They could get all the bonus content. Like, literally the history of our all of our bonus content. Don't give me that face. I know I screwed up the words. <laughs> well, you do get the bloopers. So, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right. Well, it's the holly jolly season, so I thought we needed to talk about some Christmas stuff. Krampus. We've already discussed him. Krampus 2.0. Well, it's it's like the girl version of Krampus, kind of. Kind of, sort of, maybe. Mm, not really. I'm going to tell you about Fra Perkta. She's known as the Christmas Witch or the Belly Slitter. The, um... Uh-huh, the Belly Slitter. Okay, so she is popular in the folklore of Austria and Germany. She's like Santa and Krampus had a baby, it's a girl, and it's Fra Perkta. She's got a naughty and nice list too, but her punishment is a little more severe than most. I mean, with the name of the belly slitter, we can imagine, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you the backstory because even though it's a little confusing, it's needed because I think it's kind of one of those times that a belief in something or someone got turned into a boogeyman type thing. Anyway, so it's like the Middle Ages, you know, way back when. It's believed that her name was actually Bertha or Bertha, and she was a goddess who was worshipped by Celtic and Germanic peoples. Her name meant bright or shining, and she was the protector of animals, women, and children, especially those who had passed during childbirth or before being baptized. 
She was thought to be a beautiful woman who was known as the Lady in White. She had long hair, wore a white gown, and was so beautiful, she just glowed. There was one story where a mother whose son had died recently saw his apparition, and so she was distraught. Well, he was with a group of other young kids, and he broke away, went to his mother, and comforted her, and told her not to cry for him anymore. He was safe, and he was being taken care of by the lady in white. Also to note, during these olden times, infant mortality was so freaking high. It's sad to think about, but the mothers really needed to find comfort that their children would be cared for, and so Berkta was someone they had high regards for. Even though, you know, she was super beautiful and all the things, some said that she had one foot that was like a webbed foot. And this might have been because she had the ability to shapeshift and stuff too. Not sure, but she was a protector of animals too, and she was a goddess, so she had all the abilities, you know? And like many people, Berkta had a duality to her. She was the protector of so many people, mostly the innocents, but if you wronged them, she would punish you in some way. And when the church tried to be a bigger role in people's lives... They didn't like them praying to goddesses and whatnot. So they took that duality of Berkta and ran with it. They said that her duality was Perkta, and that was her true nature. The word Perkton meant scary monsters, and they said that Perkta was the leader of them. They erased the sweet, beautiful woman in white who protected the women and children, and they painted a picture of an old, scowling crone who was dressed in old, raggedy clothing. Some depict her having, like, the Plague Doctor mask-style type nose and said it was made of iron. Others put her having the typical long, crooked, and pointed witch nose adorned with a wart or two. And like Krampus, stories started to circulate that Fra Perkta would kidnap your kids if they were bad or she would eat them. But then she started getting her own storyline, the thing that would make her most feared by children and adults alike, because no one wanted to be on her naughty list. Under her skirt, she carried a knife. So she would have been able to cut the guy out of the car from the bonus episode that Carrie was so upset about no one having a pocket knife. Perkta does, but she uses that knife for slicing bellies, not seatbelts. We'll get to that though. Another reason you should join Patreon. You would know what I'm talking about. Also, that's oddly specific that she just like slices belly buttons. Not I didn't belly say buttons. belly buttons. Okay, <laughs> I took it to an extreme. <laughs> bellies. <laughs> Perkta is associated with the Feast of Epiphany, which happens on January 6th or the 12th night of Christmas. It celebrates when the wise men went to the baby Jesus and gave him the gifts. Okay, so on this day, no one is supposed to work or anything because it is a celebration. However, you are supposed to have all your shit done before this day. And that's where Perkta comes in to enforce those rules. We would fail immediately. There's no way we would have our shit done before that day. No, no. Perkta would hate us. The only thing I would get away with is one thing. I'll tell you, you'll know one thing I'll get away with. Everything else, she'd be like, no, 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 no. Like 1130 and we'd be like, fuck, 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 fuck. Do you know what tomorrow is? Oh my God. She's going to kill us. We're we're dead. We're going to, she's going to cut her bellies. Oh my fucking God. Exactly. Maybe not say that on a Christian holiday, but we would want to. Well, it's not really Christian holiday. Yeah, but I'm saying like the 12th of the <laughs> I'm just saying because it was pagan. Yeah, but like the the whatever. No, I get it. I get it. Because like I mentioned, it wasn't just kids that she would torture and kill. She was an equal opportunity killer. So back then, women were actually important to the economy, even though they weren't given any recognition of it. It was because they spun flax into fabric and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't y'all love this history lesson? <laughs> I thought we were going to ripple still skin route, but it, fabric and shit. And 
Perkta was a big fan of spinning. Some say that her deformed foot wasn't a goose foot, but it was deformed from all her years of doing the threading bobbing pedal thing. Anyway, there were basically quotas for the women to meet, and if they didn't, Perkta would use that deformed foot to trample all over their work that they had already finished and then set fire to it. Oh my god. A little excessive, but whatever. She did not like lazy people. However, if she caught you working on January 6th, she would do the same thing. She was a stickler for traditions. She wanted everyone to enjoy their family and have a meal together and have some food as an offering for her. There was a special porridge that was her favorite. And if there wasn't an offering left, you'd get an angry perkta too. There were some tales that if she felt like people didn't enjoy the feast enough, she would punish them. She wanted their bellies full and round from eating and all the things. So that's what I got. I got you on the round belly, Perkta, and I always go for seconds. I mean, she's a feeder. But that's basically all I got you on. Everything else, you you kill me. Yeah, she hates us. We're fucking lazy. We're never on time. Never on time. We're literally the worst human beings. <laughs> okay, we're not the worst. You cover the worst. Touche. Another thing Perkta hated was if the house wasn't tidy. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> it went back to the whole laziness thing. She was not a fan of people being lazy. Even though she really only did her work for 12 days out of the year, but whatever, Perkta, you do you, boo. That's all kind of geared towards the adults. You know, she would she would do all the things if their shit wasn't taken care of. But like I said, she had her eyes on the kids too, and she hated little liars. If she thought that they were little fibbers, she would hold the kid by their cheeks, make them stick out their tongue, and then scrape it with a shard of glass cutting their tongue. Oh my God. People believed that Perkta could enter their house no matter what they did, so they were at her mercy. So if their kids were on the naughty list or if they had been lazy or too overzealous and didn't take epiphany off they would meet the belly slitter because i'm telling you like oh yeah you'd make her angry and she would you know like ruin all your work and blah 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 but here's why she was called the belly slitter she would take that long knife from under her skirt and rip their stomachs wide open she would then remove all of their intestines and other innards and then she would stuff them with garbage Ew. Rocks, straw, broken glass, anything she wanted to. She thought these people were trash and that's what they were going to be filled with. And then she would stitch them up and be on her way to the next home. However, if you were good and you left her some food out and stuff and you weren't lazy, you took the day off, all the things, she would bless your family with some good fortune and she would leave you a silver coin, and, you know, your life. Something else about Perkta, in the 19th century, Jacob Grimm of the Brothers Grimm had translated some German texts, and he said that Perkta was spoken of as Frau Berkta, and she was a goddess who was in a white robe and was the overseer of spinning and weaving, which makes sense in her story. Something else she oversaw was the Wild Hunt, which is this big event where supernatural peeps like Perkta ride through the sky on quest. It shouldn't be witnessed by humans, which is why it takes place in the sky, I believe, and it always took place during the winter months. I wonder if that's because it gets darker at night earlier. So, you know, they don't have to stay up late. Oh, that's a good idea. They say during like the last three Thursdays before Christmas, you can hear lots of thunder and the wind will rip and roar like none other. And they attribute that to Perkta and her Perchton. Remember that word, the monsters? That's her little followers that she has with her to make sure she can enforce all those rules. So she was the original Lady Gaga. (laughs) Yes! Oh my god. The Perkton is made of, they say, unbaptized babies. Oh shit. They're grown though. They're not like babies. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? No, that's not what I was picturing. I I know, I know, but they're not like, I mean, what are babies going to do to enforce the rules? True. Even though the wild hunt takes place in the sky, I don't know why, but there's a story where this farmer or like innkeeper, I guess he he was a farmer who had a room for rent. I don't know. And he rented that out to Perkta 
and her Perkton, and he wanted to see what she looked like. But because, again, she had that duality to her. So she could either be that gorgeous, that goddess-like ethereal being or the old wrinkly crone old lady. And so he wanted to know which one she was. So when he got the room ready, he hid in the stove in her room and he was going to spy on them. Well, when they got in, she told one of her Perkton like to go plug up the hole in the stove. Well, then the farmer couldn't see anymore. The next morning, they left. He got out of the stove because he had to stay there all night. And he couldn't see. He was blind. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. But then next year came around. He again had that room for her. And he did the same thing. And I guess he was just like, I, now I need to hear if they're going to say something about me or whatever. And she told another one of her Perkton to go unplug the hole. And he did, and the farmer could then see. So it was like he got punishment, but then it wasn't like terrible. You know what I mean? The man couldn't see for a whole year. But he was spying on someone that he shouldn't have been spying on. Oh, I completely agree. But that sounds pretty fucking rough. But she undid it. She didn't have to undo it. You're right. Mm -hmm. Perkta, I ain't trying to get on your bad side. I mean, nobody is, but damn. (laughs) That's really all I have on Perkta. And after reading her story, learning about Krampus, learning about Gryla last year, we got off really easy with Santa. I mean, for real. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to get cold. Nobody ever fucking gets cold. Like, that's as worse as it gets. Right. Meanwhile, these kids thinking fucking... That they're going to get a knife sliced through their fucking stomach, and then they're going to get their insides ripped out... And then trash shoved inside like they're a scarecrow. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, uh-uh, don't want that. And then if you lie, you get your tongue scraped with glass. I'll take a bar of soap, Alex. <laughs> but I do love learning about other folklore and stuff surrounded around Christmas because ours is so, like, tame. Yeah, like, holly, jolly, like, yay. Like, the worst is the Grinch. And he finds a heart and has, like, the best Christmas ever and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? He's literally me. He really is. (laughs) And you do a really good impression of him. Everyone else in the world, they have some boogeymen that I never want to meet ever. Mm -mm. I will forego any gift to not meet these people. Speak for yourself. I need some new work tennis shoes. Well, don't want Perkta to get it because she's going to slice your belly open. Yeah, no, I really can wait on the shoes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My feet can hurt. It's fine. (laughs) Y'all let us know if y'all have any Christmas traditions that are different or Christmas lore, because we want to know. Okay, so my story isn't from a listener suggestion this time. I know, shocker, I fucking know. But last night, I was going to bed watching Tamron Hall, because fucking love her, and she did a, like, where are they now thing as part of her episode. I was watching this too. No, you weren't, because it was on Discovery+. Plus. I literally have that. I know, but you weren't watching this specific episode. How do you know? Okay, tell me what it's on. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I just really wanted to throw you off. and <laughs> I hate when you know my story. So this one is content warning. It's very sad, and it does deal with children. But there was a where are they now. So a little, you know, uplifting ending, kind of. They live. Yeah. There was an article by this guy named David France, and that is where I found so much information about the past for this story instead of just like the quick, hey, this is what happened. So just know that I'm going to reference this article. It's called Hell House Revisited, and it is so fucking thorough. Obviously, other sources were used, but this one was just so amazing that I felt like it deserved to be like, hey, David. You did a great job. Hey, David France, I can see your underpants. You were, you literally. I've been waiting ever since you said France. I saw you ready to say something and I was like, <laughs> what could she possibly have to say already? <laughs> well, there's that. This story starts on October 10th, 2003. The Collingswood Police Department, which is in New Jersey, they get a 911 call. And on this call, the guy says, hey, okay. There is a kid outside 
digging in my trash for food. And he says, I think he lives like in the neighbor's house. And he looks to be like seven or 10 years old. He's really thin, but like he's like digging for food. This is already so sad. It really is a heartbreaking story. He tells the 911 caller he's very little, like a very young kid. Turns out this boy was not a very young kid. He was 19 years old. Oh my gosh. But he was 45 pounds. That's literally what Marbu, my dog, weighs. So this triggered police doing some investigation and this case kind of turned the Division of Youth and Family Services up on its head. So the boy that was digging in the neighbor's trash, his name was Bruce. Don't do it. She was going to do do it so they know what you were going to do. My name is Bruce. From Finding Nemo. So like I said, Bruce was only 45 pounds and he was only four feet tall. He had no shoes. He seemed very disoriented. And of course, he was cold because, hello, October in New Jersey, it's fucking cold. And he was covered in bruises. Well, like I said, the, the neighbor thought he was, you know, 10 or younger. The police thought he was like seven years old. The whole time he's 19. So come to find out, Bruce and his brothers had been adopted. He had a brother named Michael who was nine years old and weighed 23 pounds. Oh my gosh. Terrell, who was 10, he only weighed 28 pounds. And Treshawn, who was 14 and weighed 40 pounds. Holy shit. Their adopted parents were Raymond and Vanessa Jackson. And they were well known in the community. Like they were very involved in their church. They had been foster parents that had adopted the kids. There were other kids who lived in the house other than these brothers, but only these boys were malnourished. This is just like one of the most heartbreaking pieces of information. Well, it's all heartbreaking, but when you put it in these terms, All four of those boys' combined weight was 136 pounds. Oh my gosh. That's what one should have weighed. Yeah. So in addition to, like I said, how Bruce was had some bruises and not wearing any shoes, which again, it's three o'clock in the morning when 911 is called. So when a kid sneaks out like that, it's not unreasonable that he wouldn't have had shoes on. But when they get to the house and they find the other brothers, some of them had head lice and most of them had really bad like rotting teeth. Oh my gosh. You could tell that these kids had not been to a dentist, had not been to a doctor in a very long time. How sad because teeth pain, that is a whole different type of pain. But like I said, there were other kids in this house and some of those kids were, I mean, they were very well nourished and to the point where some of them were even overweight, which I know some people have a tendency, they could eat literally the same thing and be quote-unquote overweight compared to another kid based on all the things I'd realize that but when you're comparing and contrasting these kids who are literally starving to a kid that's overweight for their age it's like this one article said it's almost like a Cinderella story yeah I mean did they just not take the brothers out in public well we'll get there okay you know there was another daughter that was adopted and they deemed her like a neglected child that they did take away from the Jacksons but you know during all of the process of taking away their adoptive rights and all of that that child was still like writing them letters like you're the best parent yada 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 because they didn't experience the same treatments as the boys and they're doing like the neglect thing because they talk about that the house was kind of like disheveled you know it was like a it was just a really well disheveled that's that's the word that's used a lot for it you know who wouldn't have liked that perkta after all this was found the kids were found more things started coming to light about the treatment that they sustained there were other people in the community that were like I don't believe that Raymond and Vanessa were capable of this. Because like I said, they were very involved in their church. Um, do those people not know freaking Gacy? Well, what happened is when the Jacksons first got Bruce, 
Bruce did have a lot of issues surrounding food. And we're going to go into the issues that he and his brothers had surrounding food when they came into the house. So that's where a lot of the people being like, the Jacksons didn't do this, or I can't believe that they would do this, yada, 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 is because the boys did have issues surrounding food when they came into the house. However, it's kind of hard to argue that when the boys made so many gains after everything was discovered with weight gain and gain in height, you know, and all of that. Well, and just from what I know, what you've done in the past with your therapy and stuff, that there's therapy for people who do have issues with eating and textures and all of that. And that was your occupational therapy. So I know there's shit ton more out there. Exactly. And the fact that these kids did have issues surrounding food, especially when Bruce first came into the house, he should have been deemed needing special services. And the Jacksons should have had special services to deal with Bruce's needs because they were different from any other kid that they had fostered. Anytime you take in a kid that has any type of special needs like that, you have to be trained. And they weren't. And so that was like, boom, failure number one on the part of the state in this placement. Right. But also, I mean, you chose to adopt them with all of these struggles. And as a parent, you have to fight for your child and you want their welfare to be number one. And they didn't seem to fight for their welfare to be number one. Well, all in all, the DIFAS, which is the the Division of Youth and Family Services, had 35 foster kids rotate throughout this house within 10 years, which if you, you know, that's a lot, but sometimes kids are placed for one night or whatever, and that can count as a kid being there. So, I mean, I'm not like, oh my God, they had 35 kids in 10 years. No, but that still is a lot of kids. And some stuff talks about Vanessa and Raymond's education as it relates to, well, they weren't prepared for a kid with special needs to be placed with them. No, but Raymond was a sheriff's deputy. Like, at one point. He wasn't when he had the kids when all this went down. But at one point, he was. Wow. So, let's go back to the beginning when Bruce joined the family. Vanessa and Raymond started taking foster kids in back in 1991. And Bruce, who was Bruce Roy II when he first came to them, he was seven years old. It was like many foster placements, an emergency placement, and they thought that he was only going to be there a couple of days. Now, when Bruce came, they knew that he had different needs than any other foster kid. He had difficulty making eye contact and just would like stare at the kitchen floor, would laugh like at inappropriate times, but just to himself. Another thing of many that showed that he had very different needs was that he would pee on the kitchen floor. His language skills were delayed, and his poor little life started in, well, utter chaos. When he was just five months old, he was taken away from his mother for neglect. He had gone to live with his paternal grandmother, But then his dad was accused of abusing him. Just a five-month-old baby. That's so sad. And it said that his dad actually left the state with him to, like, get away from the charges. So, just his whole life in utter chaos, which leads to attachment disorders, which leads to a whole fucking host of issues for a child. Right, right. Even as he grew older, he continued to wet the bed. He had issues going to school. He would steal other kids' lunches. He had run away from home before. But a lot of his behavioral issues surrounded food, i.e. stealing kids' lunches. But even at home, he would almost like binge and purge. So he would eat everything that he could possibly find. Like he would eat so much that he would throw up. Yes, to an extent, but from there, he started doing what's called rumination. Have you ever heard of that? No. So, what that is, is that they basically, they eat a lot and then cause themselves to throw up in their mouth and then re-chew the food and swallow it again. That is fucking disgusting. 
It is, but he can't help it. It's a, it, I mean, it's like an eating disorder for him. I mean, the, yeah. the act of it is, it, it, it's awful. Yeah. It, it is awful. So that's why I say like his purging wasn't just like throwing up. Like it wasn't binge and purge in that way. And, and he would eat everything. He would even eat toothpaste. Now, Keep in mind that some of this information, well, basically all this information that we're getting on these behaviors is coming from the Jackson family. They had a biological daughter that some of that stuff came from her and then also coming from Raymond and Vanessa. So all of this, just remember the source. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, remember the source. They said that they couldn't even keep toothpaste in the bathrooms because he would eat the toothpaste. They started having to put locks on doors and cabinets in the kitchen because he would go in and binge all of this food, followed by the rumination. Now, if you think about the rumination and, or even just someone with bulimia, how it has an impact on their teeth. Yeah. So it, you know, it does stand to reason that he would have issues with his teeth because of that. The Jacksons say that they did take him to doctors at first, and he was even hospitalized six times for food-related reasons. That's that's all we know, like food-related reasons. But those hospitalizations were before he got to the Jacksons' house. Now, in 1995, that's when the Dyfus put the three other boys into the Jackson home. I do want to just make a note here that some of the boys changed their names. And so the names that I said at the beginning are what they go by now. So when the three got there, Michael was already in one of the lowest percentiles for his height. And pretty much from what I understand, all of the boys... Doctors had thought had some form of fetal alcohol syndrome, and that is what was leading to their stunted growth, issues with food, yada, yada, yada. Now, Michael and Treshawn are biological brothers, and like I said, they thought that Treshawn also had some possible fetal alcohol syndrome. He had been diagnosed as failure to thrive, and so that's when a kid, like, doesn't eat, doesn't do things to sustain their life, basically. He himself was very small in stature, just like his brother Michael. Now, for Tyrell, so he was premature and went straight to foster homes. And the foster home that he was in was specifically for medically fragile kids. He had one other house, and then he was transferred to the Jackson's house. Again, with no additional training on how to handle these other three kids that have developmental issues. Two that they think potentially have fetal alcohol syndrome. Tyrell, who was a medically fragile child that was premature at the beginning, all of these red flags that should have given this family more support. So at first, when Tyrell was with the Jacksons, he started developing pretty normally. And then at like 18 months old, it just stopped. And they said for him, as I stated with the other boys, they thought he had fetal alcohol syndrome related symptoms and diagnosed him as failure to thrive. You might not know this, but I don't know a lot about that. Does it normally develop around that age? Um, I think, it, I don't know. I mean, you can have an infant with failure to thrive. Like if a, if a baby isn't, like can't suck on a bottle or like on a nipple, then they can have failure to thrive. So it's not failure to thrive. An adult can have failure to thrive when they have um, a cancer diagnosis and they can't eat because they're so sick. So not failure to thrive. No, the fetal alcohol syndrome. No, that's something that you're going to typically, I feel like, see from the start. Now, would you at that age start noticing some developmental delays as far as speech and all of that that you couldn't see before then? Absolutely, if they're not meeting some certain developmental milestones. Okay. But I feel like you would know if this kid, you know, you've got Tyrell who was premature and medically fragile. Well, why was he premature? You know, I feel like that's something that they would know, you know, like yeah, if you had a, yeah. if you had a mother that had some substance abuse issues, 
and it caused the child to be premature in that way. And that child is then immediately placed in foster care. That tells me there was something going on with that mother that led to the foster placement. Yeah. Which could have been a drug addiction, a an alcohol, you know, whatever. And some of the behaviors can be learned because they said that this is they being the Jacksons said that that the three younger boys started to do the rumination like Bruce and develop some of his issues with food. Again, they always had their own issues because they all had failure to thrive before, but they weren't doing those types of behavioral things, which don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that rumination is, oh, that's Bruce just acting poorly. Absolutely not. That is a very deep-seated behavior that is coming out in that way because of a laundry list of things. So when I say behavior, I don't mean he's not minding. I mean, no, it's a an act that he's doing because of a larger issue. Now, the Jackson family was very large. They had biological children, um, um, like quite a few, like four plus kind of thing. And then they had adopted all four boys. They also had adopted two girls. And if you look at what the inspectors had been saying from Dyfus, they had, quote, doing an excellent job, quote, nurturing and stable environment for the kids who had been placed there. So the Dyfus inspectors weren't actually following up appropriately because they're missing these huge things. Like you go into the house and you see that the fucking cabinets have locks on them. The refrigerator has a lock on it. Like, that's not normal. And that's usually because they're understaffed and overworked. Well, but not understaffed because they adopted these kids. These are their kids. No, no, no. I'm talking about the workers. The Dyfus workers. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out because I know we've got social workers who listen and y'all bust your fucking asses. Yes. It's so hard because... When I listen to these stories and child services are involved and things are overlooked or, you know, like these big things that mm-hmm. they could easily see that the Gabriel case, you know, he lost his life. The turnpins. Yeah, the turpins. Uh, oh, yeah. I said turnpins. <laughs> Not that. I mean, sure. Um, Just those are heartbreaking things. And. It's so easy to be like, oh my God, just do your job. But, you know, they are working with what they have. Because I know when I worked in a freaking corporate thing, I was overworked. And that's not people's lives. People's lives. And so I know that these people go into that because they want to better people's lives. And they're doing what they can. You know, and so it's just hard because I'm like, ugh. But then also I'm like, ugh. Because... They're doing what they can with what they're given. It's just, where where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do is you don't falsify records. That is a big thing. Right. And you don't backdate and you don't cover your ass in that way. Yes. And they did that to the Gabriel case too. And it's like, that's when it's, yes, because you know it was wrong. Right. No, I said wrong. <laughs> Correct. So... In the beginning, let's say before 1997, the Jacksons were taking the kids to doctor's appointments. There were some checkups with a gastroenterologist. There was a therapist. Um, Bruce had four different exams one year about his difficulties around food. But after 1997, it stopped. It's like they were just like, oh, God, this is too much. And they just shut down. Right, and started making it more um, behavioral in of like, okay, this kid's not minding me behavioral versus, no, these are behaviors indicative. It just hurts my heart because in Bruce's case, we know he was abused. And when you were saying those early signs of his where he was, you know, wetting the floor, he was looking down, he wouldn't make eye contact, all of that, I was like, oh, gosh, classic signs of abuse and then you know you did say that he was abused and all of that and so you know he had this hard life before that and now he's being abused in a different way with that neglect of welfare and so it's just it's just hard well and you know some people say that the Jacksons were in this for the money because they do get stipends 
for the adoptions. Um, and they got about $30,000 a year in adoption stipends. However, they weren't rolling in the dough. Like they had power and gas shut off to their house a couple of months that their church had to basically pay the outstanding balance to get this turn back on. So while they were getting money, they didn't fucking hit the lottery. Right. You know. Well, that also you have to see their spending habits because. So true. Because about the Turpins, the mom would buy herself toys and collectible dolls and buy clothes. The kids clothes they couldn't wear. You know, they would wear 15 year old shirts and have closets full of clothes with tags on them and they couldn't touch them. Yeah. And so she had spent like $6,000 on things that they didn't have. So, you know, you never know. She had the hoarder tendency and I'm not saying these people did, but with the disheveled house and stuff, you never know. So they might've just had some of that stuff where, you know, they might have had their own things that they put first. Like, well, the church can help with that, so we can go spend it on blah. Also, question. Um, would the kids be on... We have chips here in Mississippi. Would they be on something like that? Uh, yeah. So their medical bills wouldn't be bad. Right. I'm just... Uh, sorry, that just popped into my head because with, like, money and stuff, if that was one of the things, like, hey, we can't take you to the specialist anymore, but I feel like that would be covered... Or something along the lines would be covered for them, you know, so that shouldn't have been an issue. And also, I don't have kids, so I I know that's hectic, and I can't even imagine having two hands, like having to count kids on two hands. Right. But that's also their choice, you know, they chose to do this. Right. So there were documented visitations from caseworkers, but every time that it was noted about the kids being small and being thin, they would take the Jacksons at their word just saying, yeah, they, they have eating disorders. You know, they have difficulty with food and they're premature and, you know, all the things. And so they were like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's fine. They're they're doing good. Meanwhile, the fucking kitchen cabinets are locked and the refrigerator's locked and all yeah. the things. And I just feel like if you say, hey, they have an eating disorder, they have difficulty with food, and they're like this, I would be like, okay, and what are you doing for that? Right. When was the last time you took them to a doctor? Are they getting counseling? How, like, what are they eating during the day? You know, you would, th there's follow-up questions. Yeah. So, according to Bruce, who ended up testifying against the Jacksons, he said that he and his brothers were neglected and the other kids were very well taken care of that they were forced to eat uncooked pancake batter and they were allowed to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and oatmeal and that's it oh my gosh and at one point bruce was so hungry that he literally started eating the walls oh my gosh like drywall fiberglass insulation Ugh. so i'm not saying they got oatmeal peanut butter and jelly and fucking pancake batter uncooked all in one day that's not how this worked they don't weigh fucking 40 pounds eating three meals a day it it feels like the lack of food selection and opportunity to eat forced bruce to have that that disorder, I guess you would say, that you eat. Like the uh, pica or yes. pica? Or, I, can't, I, I know, I'm destroying that. Everybody's going, it's this. I know. It's like one or the other. But it, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that he would just eat whatever. Because he's literally starving. Yeah. So, Bruce also said that he was not allowed to play at all. And I don't think that the brothers were either. But the other kids, the biologicals and the two adopted daughters were allowed to play. They were allowed to go outside. They were allowed to do all the things. And they weren't. They also would have time out on the stairs. And, like, I'm not just talking about, okay, your kid acted up. You put them in time out on the stairs for, you know, you're supposed to do time out, like, for however many minutes they are years old. So, like, if a kid's two years old, you do two minutes Time out. If your kid's three years old, you do time out for three minutes kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. That's normal parenting. No. Had to sit on the stairs for 
hours upon hours watching the other kids get to play and he has to sit there on the stairs. Oh my gosh. He said that he had to cut the lawn manually with shears. Now, I don't know if that means like like a, the sh- 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 things like for bushes mm-hmm. or what, but I also I don't know that that is corroborated by neighbors. Like I feel like neighbors would have seen him out there like cutting it with shears. You know what I mean? But who knows? Well, about the neighbors thing, my dad, if my sisters would say like, well, I don't have anything to do. He literally would be like, okay, you said it. And they would go out there with scissors, not shears and cut the grass. But no one said anything because they knew what was going on. Yeah, maybe. Well, don't make your kids cut your yard with scissors. Um, It's also like a power play. For, especially for Bruce, like, it's like, okay, well, I'm in charge, you go cut the yard, you go sit on the stairs, and you watch everybody else. Yeah. And, and Bruce said that they would beat him with belts, that Vanessa would choke him, like, with her bare hands, her, their fingernails digging into his neck. Oh, my god! Every time he would throw up, like, do the rumination. When detectives asked Bruce, like, well, wait, what were your, like, what were your normal meals? And he told them stuff that's not cooked. And, of course, the detectives were like, stuff that's not cooked? Like, is that what everybody had or just you? And he's like, no, just me and my three brothers. And then he, you know, named the three that we've been talking about the whole time. So, Vanessa and Raymond were eventually arrested. And their pastor bailed them out. Because people from their church and all that were like, they they didn't do this. Exactly. I hate when people say... So-and-so could never do that. No, no, no. People are capable of anything. Really, they are. Anything. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, everyone's capable of child abuse. If the kids are coming out and saying, hey, I weigh 45 pounds and they beat me and didn't feed me, um, I'm going to believe them. Right. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would never just be like, I'm not doing a blanket Everyone could abuse children or whatever, you know, but like they got the receipts and it's their own bodies. Oh God. It just, I hate when people are like that. They said that about Ted Bundy, Gacy. Yep. And these were way before the nineties. So, oh. And you know, here's the thing too, is that the parishioners of this church, they knew that stuff was off with the kids, but see, they were just like, well, the Jacksons take the hard cases, you know, so they're like, uh-huh. oh, you know, it's just because of their pat or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, they've had them for mm, a decade now. So I'm going to guess that it shouldn't still look like this. Right. There's a difference in, hey, we're going to take these that are more difficult because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then they blossom and they prosper and all the things That's different. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is that once the adoptions went through, they started homeschooling the kids. So there was... Oh, God. Oh, yes. Oh, they are so fucking crooked. When they start homeschooling their kids because of that, it's because there's no accountability. Right. Now, please know that we're not saying that about if you homeschool your kids. We're not saying there's no accountability. We know that... Oh, yes. But in these situations, yes. they're doing that so that they take the eyes off of their family. There's no one coming to check. There's there's no kid going to school where the teacher gets to see them every day and say, wow, you haven't bathed. Wow, your teeth are falling out. Wow, you have nothing to eat. There's no outside eyes prying and seeing what they're doing with these kids. Yeah. And I'm I'm saying that because most child abuse cases, they do homeschool them. They pull them out of school when they get old enough to tell what's going uh on. Exactly. That by no means means that if you homeschool your kids, you have no... Because obviously things have changed with the laws and all of that. But, But still, look at the fucking Duggars. I mean, there are... But, I mean, there are people who still homeschool and they do these different curriculums that are religion-based that they don't have the same overseeing guidelines that someone who's following a K-12 
state homeschool has. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm absolutely wrong. But I know that the Duggars follow that guy's uh, homeschool thing that also got in trouble for, like, child porn and inappropriate sex stuff. You know, just like the Duggar's son. But I digress. Yeah, when you said the Duggars, I was like, uh, I mean, literally, that the Duggars use what's called Advanced Training Institute. Sorry, I had to Google it really quickly because I, I had to, anyway. So, it's part of Institute of Basic Life Studies Ministry. And that leader was accused of uh, molestation and sexual harassment with 10 of his accusers filing lawsuits against him and the Institute on charges of rape, harassment, and cover-up. That came from a, um, an article on The List. And that was from April of this year. Oh, gosh. So that's what I mean of, you know, when you have these more faith-based curriculums versus the same curriculums that every other kid's learning in your state, there's not that oversee because that guy's not going to help the Duggars when Josh Duggars doing inappropriate things sexually to his family members and, and all of that. But when you have someone who's following a like state mandated, again, there's more eyes. There's more accountability. Also, you might not know this question either, but did all of their kids do homeschooling or was it just the brothers? I don't know. I think all, but that's kind of a guess. Okay. Because that would be a telltale sign too. Because if they all, you know, went to school and stuff and they just stayed at home because they were yeah. problem, right. you know, whatever... That would be more, eh. And you know, okay, fine. It really should be acknowledged that the kids had issues with food before they arrived to the house. However, it also has to be noted that within the first month of getting a typical diet, Bruce gained 40% of his body weight and gained a whole inch in height in just over six weeks. Wow. So... And and all of the boys, I don't have their specific numbers, but literally all of the boys gained weight, grew in height, and thrived. And that just shows that even if they weren't specifically starving them, given the right tools and the right atmosphere, they were able to thrive. But it fucking shows they were starving them. Right. So the Jacksons were arrested. They were indicted on eight counts of aggravated assault and 20 counts of endangerment for failing to provide adequate nutrition, medical, and dental care, and a clean environment for all four boys. So Vanessa pled guilty, and she was sentenced to seven years in prison, but only served four years and was let out early for good behavior. Before Raymond could go to trial, he died of a stroke in 2004. But the boys did get a settlement from the state. They got $12.5 million. Okay, which I'm going to tell you that some of these um, numbers I've heard different. Like one article from the New York Times said that Bruce got $7.5 million. And then in a bunch of other, I saw that he, I say only, but only got $5 million. And then some, and then the three other brothers split $5 million. So they got like $1.5 each basically in a trust. The three younger brothers... Um, Michael, Treshawn, and Tyrell were all adopted together, but Bruce, since he was 19, when all this happened, he wasn't eligible to be adopted with the other three boys. So here's kind of the sad part though. So Bruce is now in a home for like, not a halfway house, but like a, a home for people with disabilities and like a kind of like a group home there's someone from the state that is like his guardian that nobody even knows who it is because it's like kept a secret basically that like waived his attorney fees but still gets paid from the state for all of his um other stuff like if like literally any other thing that he possibly needs funding for other than his specific fee he gets paid from the state and when, and the other three boys, like, can't talk to Bruce. Every time they try to talk to him, try to go see him, they say that they're shut down. So it's almost like Bruce is still living in this prison. Yeah. Now, again, this is all allegedly because 
we don't actually know everything because if they, if you even ask, like, does Bruce live here? They'll say, we can't say for privacy reasons, you know, because he's like, quote unquote, a patient. And even his attorney is quoted saying that, yeah, Bruce may someday want to use all his money to buy a house and hire staff to look after him. But then when people like the brothers or just other, um, like the Philadelphia Inquirer has looked into this a lot. And when they're like, well, like, why is he still living in this home? Why does he not have his own house? Why does he not have a round-the-clock care? Why is he not able to see his brothers? The attorney just says privacy issues. Oh, my gosh. Girl. Girl, watch the Turpin interview. Well, because they're going through the same thing. Like, they can't have access to their money and all. Yeah. Some of them are homeless because of that. And so, because they have the same thing where they have a trust, but they have someone who's in charge of the trust and it's privacy issues. Yeah. And, and it's, it's fucking bullshit. Like, the brothers are like, we want to talk to him. We want to have access to him. And when they do get to call him, they'll be like, they say that the people on the other end will be like, he's not supposed to have calls and like hang up on Oh him. my gosh. Now they do get to get together. Well, so this last article that I did find that seems to be the most up to date, it says that the brothers haven't seen Bruce since 2006, but there could be stuff more updated since then. But Bruce came to one of Tyrell and Michael's football games. And they were like, oh my God, so happy to see each other. I mean, like the band back together kind of thing. And they had invited the boys and their new adopted family had invited Bruce back to their house for like kind of like an after party after the football game. I mean, these kids are teenagers. Like we're not talking like a fucking rave. We're talking about, hey, literally, you want to come back over and eat some pizza? Girl, I was about to say pizza. Yeah. And Bruce wanted to go. And the chaperones that were with him were like, no, he, he can't go. And he was very upset, Bruce being he, was very upset because he wanted to go to the to hang out with his brothers some more. And the brothers say that the chaperones told Bruce, if you act like this, you won't be able to go anywhere. Oh, my god! And so after that, Bruce did what he was supposed to do and got in the van, and that was the last time they saw him. So, you know, this is still a fucking heartbreaking case that, you know, the, the three younger brothers are thriving. They're... You know, one is in college. You know, they're, I mean, they're doing great playing football. Yeah. You know, they, they continued to grow. And from all accounts, it seems like they didn't still have those issues with food once they were given the opportunities to eat typically. Yeah. Dang, they're playing football. I mean. Right. And, you know, Bruce was able to eat and to grow. And, you know, he was able to fucking testify. I mean, it's like. Yeah, she ended up pleading guilty, but he fucking stood on the stand and testified. And it's like, I mean, it's almost like the Free Britney thing. Like, if she can perform in Vegas every single night, like, why is she still on, what's the thing called? Conservatorship. The conservatorship. You know, it's kind of like that. Like, why can't he use his money to have have around-the-clock care at his own house and have the freedoms to see his, like, there's no reason Mm -hmm. for him to be to be living the way he's living when he's got five fucking million sitting in the bank. He's not paying his, he's not paying for the house that he's in, like the group home because the state's paying for that with his like disability and everything. He's not paying his attorney's fees because they waived it. The state's paying for everything else. Like why can't he have those things? And who are these people that it seems like are keeping him from that? Like where is the accountability? It's like, and it's a kind of a conspiracy theory that that because Bruce like blew the lid off of the abuse and they got this huge settlement from the state that he is now continuing to be punished by the state for them being caught in that lawsuit. So now he's got still a guardian that's with the state, this you know, attorney and all that, that is keeping him where he is. I mean, if you want to go along with it, the Turpins. Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of. No. I mean, I hate to be like conspiracy theory. I mean, it's literally happening. Is that the reason? I can't say that. But what I can say is that he's living in a home, not able to live his life to the fullest, Mm -hmm. not able to see his brothers. And he still, it's not the same prison, but it's another one. Yeah. And it's not fucking fair. I know. On the Turpins 
uh, the cop that was the responding officer, Mm -hmm. he says, you know, like they lived through this horrific hell. I mean, that's not his words, but yeah. And then to go through all of this, you know, you think that's the end of their story. You haven't heard anything about them because they're living their best life, but But they're they're not. Jinx. I know. And just like this, I thought you were going to come back and be like, Bruce is doing X, Y, and Z, all the things, you know, and blows my mind. It would have blown my mind more if I had not seen that Turpin interview, but it makes me even more mad because I have seen it and this is before them. Right. So it's just like an ongoing thing and the whole privacy issue thing. Oh, I know. And yes, there should be privacy issues. I mean, you, you have to respect, I mean, an attorney can't just talk about his client like that. Like, absolutely. But I mean, and those aren't his biological brothers. So technically they don't have, I mean, do, well, I don't fucking know, but technically do they have a right? You know, I don't know, but it just is a shitty situation. Yeah. And I wish there was something we could do to help them. Yeah. I'm glad they did all get out of the Jackson's household. Yes. And, you know, let us know what y'all think. Because there are a lot of people that say the Jacksons didn't do this. And these kids had the issues before. And they did the best that they could. And, yeah, it's on the state because the state didn't give them the resources that they needed to take care of the boys in the best way. But they had insurance, they could go to specialists. Well, and you know, my thing is, is if you look at how the boys thrived once they left, it's kind of hard to argue that they didn't do it. Yeah. And again, like you said, they did have issues going into the home, but they knew that when they agreed to foster them and then they adopted them. Right. So that's a whole different can of worms. It's right. You are taking them into your family then permanently uh-huh. as an adoption and saying, okay, these are my kids now and I'm going to take care of these kids in the same way that I take care of my biological kids mm-hmm. because by law, they are one in the same. Right. And so I just feel like, again, they might have been like, oh, they're going to be easy once they, you know, become part of our family, it, they're going to be better. But again, if I'm a parent and that's happening, I'm going to do whatever I can for my child. Right. And because, they didn't. Because that is your child. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where it is. You know, neglect is, neglect is dangerous. It's hurtful. It's abuse. So it is. And I think they all needed to really have the training and stuff. Like they needed to push for it. They needed to do... Whatever, because locking the cabinets and all of that, that's not the answer if he was going and... Eating a wall and toothpaste and all that, yeah. Well, yeah, if he was eating all of it, that's not the answer to getting him to stop that because that's the kind of stuff that the Turpin family had. You know, that's the kind of stuff that, like, abusive parents do to limit their kids to eat. No, it's like you want the control of that, and you're not doing it to keep him safe. You're doing it so that you can control his behaviors. I had an experience with that because my uncle, he, him and his wife locked food for my step-cousins. And when I would go over there, like, in middle school, They'd be like, oh, what do you want? You want chips? You want whatever, What you know, whatever. I was a guest and I didn't know anything different. You know, I didn't know what it was because at my house, it was a free-for-all. Like, we had everything. You know. Oh, my God. They had this one basket (laughs) that had all the little Debbie's. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I didn't. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want Doritos. I want, not sponsored, but, you know, whatever. But when I had them, my step-cousins would just like, pounce like can I please have some of this could I please have some of that that's their stash you know and then I felt really bad like I don't want it but then I was like no I need to get it even though I don't want it now because I feel bad for eating it but now I want them to have it right you know and so then it it felt weird it just felt like a weird thing then you know but like they did that and again it was like because they ate stuff that wasn't theirs and it's like what Yeah, well, so, okay, so we're a family, and what's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. Yeah, like, I just don't understand. (laughs) I I don't know. But, I mean, I just remember that, and that, 
It was very, very awkward. And look, I am not a psychologist. I do not know the answer of how you fix these behaviors. Oh, shit, no. I mean, especially for kids who have, like, you know, I talked a long time ago about how I would listen to those books that were from a foster parent. Yes. And she kind of touched on there was this one kid that she had that had been starved and she was older, let's say 12, I can't remember exactly, but she had been starved, and so she would hide food and and all of that, and, you know, she kind of touched on how she addressed those behaviors, but that is way beyond my scope and, hell, the scope of this podcast, so we're not saying that we know the answer. Not at all. Or that, like, but I know that what they did ain't it. No. And I know that what they did is dangerous and detrimental to those kids. Yes. And it's fucking abuse, and they should have gone to jail for a long fucking time. Yeah. Not four fucking years. No. Um, Also, I just feel bad if people who homeschool their children or were homeschooled think I was shitting on homeschooled people. I'm not. I'm just saying in cases of abuse, that's usually the tactic that they like. That's the route that they go. And it's purposeful in order to take outsiders out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Now, again, most people who are in good, safe homeschool environments, they do mommy's day out. They have groups. They do, you know, they they go to all kinds of things with other kids for interaction and all of that. Like, this ain't that. No. For sure not shitting on homeschool as a whole. Shitting on homeschool like that. That's no school, just them at home. Right. To keep yes. outsiders out. Yeah. Well, like I said, y'all tell us what you think. Do you think that the Jacksons were guilty? Do you, we do. Do you think that, I don't know. Tell us all the things. What you think. Let us know. Yes, definitely. This was a heavy episode in a very different way. Yeah. I mean, clearly it wasn't a murder, but I mean, I just, anything where kids are abused, held captive, all the things, it just is fucking awful and I mean you're just a different kind of monster you really are you really are when you can do that day in and day out for years decades even to a child you are a different kind of monster yeah oh and she got four years and well you know she served four years yeah for good behavior well the kids didn't get out for good behavior right and Bruce is still serving time basically right oh do you know what she's doing no I didn't see anything about that privacy issues I'm sure well thank y'all so very much for listening you know as hopefully y'all liked um maybe a little change I don't know again still heavy even though no murder and it was nice to have a little Christmas not so cheer from you <laughs> I mean sometimes cheery God why do you say that word I so don't weird? know chair che- and that's not even the word that you say weird but you really still said it weird because she says cherry cheery yes and then instead of saying um I don't even know what you just sometimes said. I say carry curie yeah but you went to say it's not cheery but I guess that's right this motherfucker that's what I get for being a douche canoe hey we're bringing some Christmas cheer <laughs> in the form of perkta yeah perkta I was scared I was gonna say her name wrong um because I do not want her coming after me mm-hmm. no, but I don't want it y'all don't forget like subscribe review all the things because that really does help us and remember if you want a shout out on the episode just like before patreon.com slash the APC podcast or just go over to the website aparanormalchicks.com where you can check out patreon the merch store show notes all the things and remember creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared, scared.